Healed Being is the most effective step-by-step program to help emotionally abusive people stop hurting the ones they love, and it gives the relationship the best possible chance for reconciliation. If there's still love in their heart, I'll tell you exactly how to reconnect with it. If your relationship is in trouble because of your behavior, go to healedbeing.com and find out exactly what it takes to show up as the person that others want to be close to. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I want to help you learn the skills you need to deal with life's challenges using emotional intelligence and critical thinking without compromising who you are. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. Glad you are back for another show. If you are a regular listener or if you're just getting to know me a little bit, find out who I am, what I'm talking about. I am happy that you're here, and I am also going to start the show right away. I've got some old emails in the grab bag here, and I'm going to just see where I get. I may only get through one. Sometimes I get through two, but uh, sometimes I talk about things that go off on a tangent. (laughs) But they're all valuable tangents. I, I promise I'm trying to take you down valuable roads that will help you in some way, shape, or form. I don't always succeed, but I'm going to try, as always, that I've been doing for the last, what, uh, 9.2 years. So glad to still be here in your ear. And um, let's see, how can I stop this rambling? I Okay, here's the email I'm going to start with. Uh, this person wrote, I love your podcast. I listen to every episode. And okay, this is about a marriage. I've been married to a man for a number of years, two decades whom I adore and enjoy, but over the past several years, our sex life has diminished until I am the only one initiating and having him uh, give me no explanation why. He also began counseling, and he found out that, or he came out as being bisexual. He is confused as to what he wants. He says he loves me, but he's sure that I couldn't be enough for him right now. He doesn't do anything that his therapist tells him to do, he briefly had an internet boyfriend and actually flew out to meet him with the promise that they would just they were just meeting as friends, but they didn't get along and he came home convinced that he didn't want to explore that side of himself. However, he can't guarantee to me that these feelings will not crop up again. I'm not interested in polyamory and I don't know where that leaves us. How can I know what to do when it seems like he has no insights as to what he really wants? I'm in a constant state of confusion as to how he can swear he loves me, but can't guarantee that I won't always be enough help. Do I throw away these decades together? I'm thinking we need to separate so I can get my head on straight again. On one hand, I have an amazing, kind husband. On the other hand, I have a man who can leave his family for four days to be with a man he's never met. On one hand, he swears he adores me. On the other hand, he doesn't do what his therapist asks and keeps saying he will get his ducks in a row but it's putting me through hell in the process. 
Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Let's look at what I uh, like to look at first, which is what's happening today. Let's just say this is a brand new message that came in today, and this is what was happening. What is happening in your relationship today? This is where I always go. What has been happening for the past few months, few years, is usually what's going to happen for the next few months, few years, or forever in the relationship. That's where I go because I don't like not having closure. I don't like not knowing what to do next. So the only way I can make up my mind on what to do, ne- to do next is to look at what has happened, see the trend, and tell myself this has been what is happening uh, or has happened and this will be what continues to happen from this point forward. Done. That's what you have to go by right now. That's done. So the next question is, will you be okay with things the way they are today? If they don't change, will you be okay with things the way they are? So you look at today, this is how things are showing up in your life today. Will you be okay if things never change? Now, in this case, I'm going to say no. She's not going to be okay. I mean, I'm not answering for her, but I'm, let's just pretend I am. No, that's not going to be okay because I want him to make up his mind. I want him to decide that he does love me and he's not going to pursue this other side of himself, this other desire that he has, these other propensities, whatever you want to call them. So I just want him to say, no, I love you. I want to be with you and all is well. If you do that, you're in the danger zone Um, mainly because he's not there. He's not ready. And he may make up his mind a week from now or a year from now or 10 years from now. And he may struggle with this for many, many years. That's why it's important to look at what's happening today and make a decision. So that is easy for me to say. I know. It's just, you, you can't just look at your marriage of so long and say, well, If that's how it is, I don't want it this way, so I guess I'll leave the marriage. I mean, you can, but do you want to do it that way? I I wouldn't want to do it that way, but I would have to. It's like when I was married, my wife said, I don't think I can be with you anymore. This is when I had a lot of work to do on myself. I was very dysfunctional back then, very toxic. And I said, okay, what does that mean? She goes, I don't know. I asked her, does that mean you want a divorce? And she said, well, I I guess so. And I asked her very straight, are you sure? And of course, I had all this pain in my heart. I didn't want this to happen. But I'm not going to say, well, no, you can't have it. Or I'm not going to do that. I'm going to honor her wishes because she said she wanted to end the relationship. So I asked her, does that mean you want to end this relationship? Does that mean you want to get a divorce? And she said, I I guess that's it. I guess so. I guess so. That's what I want. And I said, okay, then. And then I also said, you know, are you sure? Of course. And maybe we can go to therapy. I offered alternatives because I didn't want that to happen. And I I talk about that very matter of factly now. But back then, uh, I had tears coming out of my eyes. It was not easy. (laughs) But that's what we talked about. And um, the very next day, I went to the courthouse and got the divorce started. I told her and she said, you did what? (laughs) 
I said, I got the divorce started. It, uh, and then I was confused. I said, that's what you wanted, right? And she said, well, yeah, but I didn't think it was going to be too soon or this soon. And I asked her, well, do you want me to wait? Do you plan on changing your mind? I mean, what? And she said, well, no, this, this is what I want. I just didn't expect it, you know, like the next day. And I said, well, and this is the important part for me. I want to start my healing as soon as possible. I want to start healing as soon as possible. I want to get through this most painful time of my life and start healing. And I knew the only way to do that is to cut ties, is to break connections. Because the longer we stay connected, the more it's going to hurt. But, you know, people are thinking, won't the divorce hurt? I mean, do you want to go through that divorce? Of course not. I was willing to do anything. But she made up her mind. So I was ready to just follow that path. doesn't mean I didn't fight for it. doesn't mean I didn't ask her, like I said, all those alternatives. Let's do something else. Let's figure this out. But it was too late. She had sealed her heart from me. She had sealed it shut. And uh, I just honored that. And painful as hell. But that's what I did. I went to the courthouse and I, I got things rolling. I got it started. So that's how I look at relationships is that once somebody makes up their mind, I follow that and honor that and have that be the new reality. I'm not here to change your mind. Like if somebody said, like my girlfriend, if she said, I don't love you anymore, what am I going to say? I'm going to say, well, please do. Please love me again. No, we would of course talk about it. What do you mean you don't love me? What's going on? But if it really came down to it and that was her final thought or realization that she didn't love me anymore, then I would say probably the same thing I said at the end of my marriage. I would ask her, what does that mean? Does that mean it's over? And if she said, I don't know, or yes, I would say, all right, then we have to start making plans to split up. We have some things that are in both of our names and Again, this would involve a lot of crying, a lot of very scary moments in my life, and I'm sure hers too, but it would be difficult. But I'd rather start my healing faster. I want to heal. I don't want to stay in that state. I don't want to stay in misery. And yes, being without her would be miserable. But being with her and her not wanting me, I think that would be more miserable and so I look at this person's situation and if my girlfriend came to me and said, you know, I'm bisexual and I really don't know what I want. I would ask her, well, do you want me? Do you want to be with me? Do you want to make me your man, your primary person in your life? Not primary, only, only person in your life. And do you want to make a go of this? Do you, is this something that you can commit to? Because I don't care if you're bisexual, but you know, if you're having these thoughts about going to see other women, or I, I don't want that. I want a monogamous relationship. I want a person that's committed to me, loves me, wants to be with me, wants to put her energy toward me, with me, into the relationship so that we can build something together. Us, just the two of us. But if she said, well, I don't know, then 
in my mind, I'm thinking this is not, uh, probably not the right word, closure. This is not closing the loop. This keeps an open loop. An open loop is unfinished business. I don't want to be in a relationship with unfinished business like this. I don't want to be in a relationship where somebody's not sure if they want to be with me or not. Personally, I would rather they say, I don't want to be with you or I do want to be with you. I want a commitment to be black and white. That's just me. (laughs) But I don't like unfinished business. I don't like things lingering over our heads. What? You you like women too? Okay. No big deal. But um, does that mean you want to see other women? If she said, no, no, of course not. I'm committed to you. If we broke up, I don't know if I'd see a man or a woman. Okay. That's fine. I get that. That's perfectly acceptable. But when we're together, we're committed or not. And so that's my approach here is that if my girlfriend came to me with this very similar uh, situation, you know, something similar to this, I would say that. I would, that's my conversation. That's what my conversation would be. Are you committed to me? Do you want this relationship? Do you want to grow this relationship together? Because I'm not trying to say, hey, you shouldn't be bisexual. That's just who you are. That's great. That's how you think and that's what you desire. That's, that's fine. No problem. But let's talk about us. Because that's what it really comes down to. Just you and me. Let's talk about us. And uh, if she wanted us, and it didn't matter these other feelings because she wasn't going to pursue them because she loved me and she wanted to be committed to me and be in a relationship with me and build a future together with me, that's all I need. If she was happy with me, that's all I need. And so if this was an issue in my relationship with her, then that would be my conversation. And if she said, I'm not sure, what would I do then? You know, I might have to take the next drastic step and say, okay, so I don't want to be with somebody who's not fully committed to this. So if you say you're not fully committed to this because you need to explore your desires or explore what you want in your life, then that's not part of the structure of a relationship for me. That's not how I define what I want in a relationship. That's not a value in my relationship, the way I define relationships. And it would be the same if it were me. If I said, hey, look, I'm attracted to other women too and I'm not sure if I want just you or maybe I want to break up for a while and go date other women. I would hope that she would say, "Uh, I don't want that in our relationship. We are committed to each other. It's monogamous. We haven't agreed to have an open relationship. So what I want is you in a committed relationship with me. I would hope she would say that. And I would say, of course, (laughs) we are together. This is what I want. I mean, that's the example here is that I want somebody that's committed to me and I would hope she wants somebody that's committed to her because we're in a monogamous relationship. But if it turned out that she was bisexual or wanted to explore other options in her life, then I would have to go down the road of Uh, relationship boundaries and the structure of a relationship. I mean, it really does come down to bringing it up to the bigger picture, looking at it 
from a, a zoomed out view. The zoomed out view is the structure of the relationship, the, the boundaries of the relationship, what the relationship is supposed to consist of that makes us both happy. If you take out a major component of the structure of a relationship that is part of what creates happiness for one or both people, then what ends up happening is your relationship suffers and it will go in probably a very bad direction unless you can work it out. I mean, I'm not saying that this couldn't work out for someone. Some people might say, well, let's just take a break in the relationship and you explore what you desire. And if it turns out that you don't want that, then you can come back to me. I really don't have, <laughs> I don't have time in my life for that. If my girlfriend said that after how long we've been together, almost a decade. If my girlfriend said that after all this time that she wanted to go explore, I would say, I'm sorry, I, I can't, I'll, I can't have that in my life. I can't have that in our relationship. And that means I can't wait for you to do that. I, I can't just say, go ahead and go do that. Because um, what happens to me? What do I do? Just wait? Or do I go explore other things too? No, because what I define as a relationship is now being uh, corrupted in a way. That's a bad word. I don't mean to sound like that. Because there are, there are people out there that uh, find out stuff, figure stuff out about themselves, and they realize, oh, I should explore this. I should understand it more. And I'm not putting you down for that at all. I'm just saying when I get into a relationship, I have a certain set of guidelines and boundaries and understandings and values. And when the major components are removed or uh, destroyed in some cases, uh, then it affects me so much that it's going to be difficult to continue the relationship along that path. So that's what would happen to me. And and I'm just going to get right back to this email and say, my suggestion is to look at what is happening today, make your decision based on today. And since um, he's already started to explore this, it sounds like your relationship can take a break. And if it's worth um, salvaging or saving or reconciling in the future, because he finds out that he really doesn't want to live that lifestyle or whatever, then it will be meant to be. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And what I mean by that is if he really loves you and he wants to be committed to you and uh, he figures that out six months from now or two years from now, then he can contact you. And if you're available, maybe it'll work out. But one more thing about this. This is my fear when it comes to things like this is that they don't explore it but it's constantly on their mind and they can't stop thinking about it, but they hide it under the rug. They sweep it under the rug so that they don't talk about it with you. They're not open about it. They're not transparent about it, but it's always on their mind and it becomes like a parasite in their brain. And what happens is over time and over many events, there are a little, um, there are little passive-aggressive comments and behaviors. There are little uh, insults. There are emotional injuries that happen, emotional wounding that takes place. 
that is very under the radar and you can't figure out why. Like, um, you didn't dust the table. And they say, why the hell isn't the table dusted? And you think to yourself, why are you so upset? I, I didn't dust the table. I rarely do that. Well, it's getting all over my stuff. It's just all this dust everywhere. And you think to yourself or you ask yourself, why is he so upset? Why is this such a huge deal? It's because of that repressed negative energy that he's been holding on to. I mean, just using him as an example. But this is what happens. We don't address something and we keep thinking about it and it, it doesn't leave our mind and we keep obsessing about it and uh, we don't address it because, you know, we're going to save the marriage. We're going to save the relationship. We're going to save the friendship or whatever it is. I just, we won't address it. We won't talk about it. And so it just sits there in the back of someone's mind and it's always there. And it's that what if, well, what if I have a better life? What if I could be happier? What if? And so you're not fully committed to the, the person you're with. The energy's not there. You're not putting all your energy toward that person. You're putting energy elsewhere as well. And if you've ever experienced what it's like when two people put energy toward each other and they're not preoccupied with something else, it's magical. I mean, it can be. It can be very magical. But if the energy is kind of off and about elsewhere and you're with someone and you're trying to connect with them you know, in a romantic relationship, you're trying to connect, you're trying to really be intimate in maybe non-sexual ways, anything. You just, you're just trying to connect in deeper ways than just saying, what's the weather like? Then what you find out is that you have a, a very difficult time connecting with somebody who's preoccupied. And if they're preoccupied with some huge lifestyle choice that will affect the relationship, it's even worse. So that's where I'm going with this person who wrote, I would not want to be in your situation, but at the same time, I would not spend a lot of time with someone who just can't figure out what they want. And that sounds cold. It sounds like what you'd, you'd I mean, I can imagine people saying this. You would dump your girlfriend of a decade just because she couldn't figure out what she wanted? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I would have a serious conversation and ask her, do you want us? Do you want to commit to this relationship? Do you want to build a life together? If her answer is, I don't know or I'm not sure, then I'm going to start moving in the direction of being without her. Again, it sounds so cold even when I say it, but you know, there's going to be a lot of conversation. There's going to be a lot of deep connecting questions and thoughts shared between us. There will be conversations, but if she's in this limbo state and we've had all this time together and have been committed all this time and she can't get past this limbo state, then I might have to let her go because I don't, I want her energy on me, you know, on us and her own things, of course, but not other relationships. I don't want her energy thinking about what it could be like with somebody else while she's with me. I mean, I'm not talking about fantasies. <laughs> she can have all the fantasies she wants. My main concern 
is that uh, she's committed to this relationship and she's committed to me. And if that's not where she is, then I think it is a, a gift to tell her, then you need to go explore that because I want somebody who's committed to me. I want somebody who loves me and wants me in their life as their soul partner. That's what I want. And I believe as long as we're meeting each other's needs for what a relationship is for us, then it can work out. But if we're not, then we might have to separate and we might have to explore our own things. And if it really is meant to be, meaning if we really do want each other, if we really do understand that life without the other person is a lot less fulfilling and we certainly feel happier being with each other, but I'm not going to hold on to something that we're not both committed to. So that's how I see it. I am fully committed to my relationship and I will be here as long as we are both in it. If we're both in it to win it and commit to it, then by all means, let's just make this thing work until we're both gone. But if we're both not in it, then we have to make different decisions. Maybe very hard decisions, very complicated decisions sometimes. But um, it really does come down to what am I going to spend the rest of my time doing? Am I going to wait for somebody else? I mean, this is very similar to a, uh, I think it's something I put on Instagram recently. Are we going to wait for someone else? Oh, it was in my newsletter. Uh, Are we going to wait for someone else to make a decision for our life? Or are we going to make a decision for our life? Are we going to do what we need to do? Based on what we know today, it's a matter of either waiting for someone else to decide where we're going to go or just choosing ourselves. So I talk about that if you are interested in the newsletter or things like that. I send uh, a newsletter once a month at uh, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. You can sign up over there. I also have a, a, a newsletter at loveandabuse.com if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship or dealing with control or manipulation from somebody. But anyway, that's enough talking about that. I am so glad you wrote. Thank you so much. I wish you the best through this. Um, maybe things have changed for you if you recognize this message and you say, hey, Paul, that was like two years ago. Uh Send me a message. Tell me where you are with this. Tell me what happened. And I'll, um, I'll be interested in that. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back after this. I'm going to read you another message. And we'll see where we go with it right after this. When I received my big sample package of Element, I immediately said, this is my favorite drink. I mean, it's close to, if not better than tea, my favorite. And and it's hard to say that because I love tea, but here we are. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs. And in case you didn't know, electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. I'm supposed to talk about all of that, but all I can think about is their chocolate salt. (laughs) I wake up, and that is the very first thing I put 
in my system. I love the chocolate salt, but they have all kinds of flavors. Watermelon salt, orange salt, raspberry salt, mango chili, and so glad to be able to talk about this and share this with you because Element can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and a lot of other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. So I want to tell you what Element is offering. They're offering a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors and uh, share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com forward slash brain. Drink, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash brain. And they offer a no questions asked refund. You have nothing to lose. And another sponsor of today's episode, BetterHelp. You know, if you're a regular listener, you've heard me talk about BetterHelp so often. And the reason I do and the reason I keep coming back to them is because they are just that effective. They are that useful for us introverts, especially. (laughs) They are very helpful online therapy that you can access from anywhere, your phone, your texting, your computer, whenever it's convenient to you. And, you know, I was just talking about feeling good. You know, how can we feel good Physically, that would be wonderful. We could all feel good physically, but what about mentally? What about emotionally? What if we can't get past something? What if we do have something lingering up there that we need to address? And uh, maybe listening to podcasts isn't enough. Maybe we need to talk about it with a professional, with a therapist, and that's what BetterHelp does. This is what it can do for you, and I've heard much feedback from people who have tried BetterHelp, and they are gaining a lot from it. And uh, if you've never worked with a therapist, let me tell you, it can get you closer to the best version of yourself. That is something I endorse all the time on this show. I remember when I went to therapy, just leaving my problems with the therapist. (laughs) That's what I was doing. I was leaving it behind me. And yes, I'll have to address it again next time. But I found myself not needing to talk about a lot of the stuff that I talked about before. I just let it go. And that's the wonderful thing that BetterHelp can help you do. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, entirely online. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And for no additional charge, you can even switch therapists. If you're not getting what you need from one therapist, just go to another one. It's super easy. So if you've been considering therapy to help you live a more empowered life, visit betterhelp.com forward slash brain. You'll get 10% off your first month. That's two words, betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com forward slash brain. Welcome back. We've got another email that I want to read regarding, um, what's it regarding? (laughs) It's a relationship. And uh, this relationship has... Some interesting developments that I'm going to read to you right now. This person writes, thank you for your teaching. I can resonate with much of what you have spoken on your podcast. I'm 45 on my second marriage and I have a trail of broken relationships and I have trouble with my family relationships as well. I had a very dysfunctional childhood and have been on a healing journey for many years. At this time in my life, I'm so confused about how the toxicity gets in. I'm not sure if I am the abuser or the victim or both. I have very high expectations for myself. I set a high bar for myself daily, and I am constantly working to grow and change and be the best I can. My husband is not this way, and I knew that when I married him. In fact, he hasn't changed at all since we met, 
and he has no desire to change. I have changed. I've changed a lot, and I want to continue to change and grow and learn. This has caused a lot of conflict because I'm not able to tolerate the things I once did within myself, and it has become very difficult to tolerate my husband, his ways, his values, his overall perspective on life. This has created a divide. I don't want to hurt him, and he is happy and fine being the way he is. It's not fair of me to ask him to change, but it's not fair for him to ask me not to. Um, let me read that again. It's not fair of me to ask him to change, but it's not fair for him to ask me not to. Okay, not to change. I feel I may be judging him too harshly and have unrealistic expectations about who he is, who he isn't, and who he may or may never be. I feel he has no empathy or understanding of how his blurting comments can hurt others and me. He has no consideration or concern and is one of those I'm real people who just says the most hurtful, rude comments and then gets mad when people are hurt. He says we're too sensitive. It doesn't just happen with me, but it happens with others as well. He says he has no feelings and he just doesn't care. Anyway, it has me wondering who is toxic. Are we both toxic? How can we go forward? Should we continue on or just let each other be? Thank you. Thank you for writing. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, before I, I'm going to pick some of this apart, uh, or at least look at some components of this message, before I say anything, there is an episode at loveandabuse.com asking the question, are you the emotionally abusive one? And a few other episodes as well. But if you go to that website, loveandabuse.com, you'll find out if you are the toxic one, if you're the manipulator, if you are doing the, the behaviors, the hurtful behaviors, and um, that'll help you with that question. But there are a few things that you said in here that I definitely want to address. I'm just going to read back to the beginning. I'm on my second marriage. I have a trail of broken relationships. I, I can relate. And I have trouble with my family relationships as well. So this tells me that you know you may have had some dysfunctions in your past or maybe you still have some. You may have had uh, or have some emotional triggers when people upset you in some way or you know, you, things just happen. You, you just have a, a reaction to things and maybe that has caused some of the problems. Or you really do have dysfunctional and toxic people in your life. Either one. It could be true. Either one. So regardless though, let me, let me just take it from here. Regardless of your past, regardless of who's in your life, who's toxic, who isn't, I think the most important part of all of this is that you are learning about yourself, you're reflecting, you're discovering who you are and who you want to be. And I'm putting words in your mouth, but this is what I'm assessing here. And uh, because of that, you're improving, you're healing, you're growing, and you're learning, and you're moving in a good direction. I call that forward momentum. And when you have forward momentum, and when you do all this healing and growing, you start to notice the behaviors of others and you realize who in your life is toxic or harmful or just not good for you. You start to realize these things when you start the personal growth and development and healing and all that kind of stuff journey. When you're on this path, you start to notice other people. And this is what happens is that if you had a lot of dysfunctions or you were just doing toxic behaviors yourself, you're going to notice those behaviors as you grow out of your own behaviors. So this is what happens. You notice the behaviors in others 
that you may not have noticed before because before those may have been dysfunctional compliments or complementary dysfunctions to your own behaviors like the people pleaser and the taker. Someone's always taking, always taking, and they meet a people pleaser and they're always pleasing, always trying to please. And uh, that is a complementary dysfunction. And so as you move forward in that kind of relationship, the person that is usually the giver always burns out. They will always burn out because the taker will never stop taking. I mean, normally. So this is what happens is that one person in a dysfunctional relationship like that will always reach burnout. And the other person, similar to what you're saying here, will not want to change and don't think they have to change and don't think anything's wrong and it's all your fault and you're too sensitive. You have a problem. You fix yourself. I'm fine the, the way I am. I'm real. I can be anything I want. I can say anything I want. It doesn't matter because that's who I am. If nobody likes it, then I'll have no friends. That's how they feel. The problem usually is that there's not enough accountability in those people's lives that they don't stop being who they are, meaning they could be sad and lonely because nobody wants to be around them, and then they'll finally understand, oh, the way I am isn't very kind, not very respectful, or not very healthy, so I better work on myself. I better figure out what's going on. I mean, this is something that I did for a good 38, 40 years, I realized um, that I had issues, I had dysfunctions, I had behaviors that uh, were pushing people away, people I cared about. It was pushing people away and hurting people that I loved. But I always thought it was them. I always thought, it's their problem, they need to fix it, and once they fix it, we'll be happy. So I've lived that way, unfortunately, but Fortunately, I've learned and healed from being that person. So uh, I can relate to that. And a person in that position is not going to see that they have an issue. They They always think it's your issue. And because they think it's your issue, they don't have any reason to look within. When do they look within? When there's accountability. When there are consequences for being who they are. I mean, yes, I want you to be who you are. I want you to be authentic. I want you to be genuine. But don't think that being who you are means that you can put all your toxicity out there and just expect the world to conform. Being who you are does, at least in my opinion, does include working on yourself too. Working on yourself means improving yourself and looking at your toxic behaviors if you have any. And... um Understanding what you might be repressing inside of you. Do you have anger? Do you have hatred? Do you have fears? And do those things appear as destructive behavior today? Because this is what will happen is if you don't address this stuff inside of you, if you're this way, if you are learning about yourself and you discover some repressed emotions or old trauma, PTSD, that uh, you find yourself snappy or upset other people because you haven't been able to address this stuff in yourself, then I'll get this kind of message. (laughs) I'll get an email like this that will be somebody asking, am I the person doing this? Am I the toxic one? Because they don't want to change. They just point the finger at me and say, it's your fault. You're too sensitive. 
and uh, you need to work on yourself. And once you work on yourself, we'll both be happy. But I'm not going to change. So I look for things like that. And you should look for things like that. Because somebody who says I'm not going to change when they're in a relationship tells me that uh, they aren't working on it together. I think a recent episode I talked about this. You need to work on a relationship together. It's both of us or it's one of us. And one of us doesn't make up a relationship. So in this case, yeah, he's got stuff to work on, but it, it sounds like he's just telling you what to expect. So I'm going to side with him for this 30 seconds and say he told you or he's telling you who he is and who he's going to be. He's telling you how he's going to show up. Do you realize what a gift that is for somebody to tell you how they're going to show up? Thank you for the truth. This is wonderful. This means I have data I can work with. This is now all on the table. Thank you so much for all this information. Now I can ask myself, is this something I can live with? And if it never changes, can I be okay with that? Or will I be okay with that? Everything he told you is on the table. Everything is out in the open. And now you can assess if you want to stay in a relationship with someone who has revealed who they are and how they're going to be from this point on. That's it. This is your opportunity to look at that and ask yourself, do I want to stay with somebody like this? Your question about who's toxic. Is it me? Is it them? It doesn't matter. Honestly, I mean, sometimes it does, but it doesn't matter here because they've told you who they are and who they're going to be and they're not interested in working on themselves. So yes, some of the stuff you've told me is emotionally abusive. You're too sensitive is a invalidation that basically says your opinion doesn't matter and uh, I don't really care that you're sensitive and I am insensitive to your sensitivity. So you are invalid to me, so either fix yourself or whatever. I'm not going to change. That tells you everything you need to, need to know. So this is your opportunity to look at the data on the table and ask yourself what you're going to do next because it doesn't matter if he's toxic, you're toxic. It doesn't matter because now you have the information that you need to make a decision. So to answer your question, am I toxic? Is he toxic? Um, let's just say that I said, okay, he's toxic. Doesn't really change my answer. Let's just say I say you're toxic. You're the toxic one and you have problems. Still doesn't change my answer. <laughs> I'm telling you that you have enough information to go on that even if you have problems, even if you're dysfunctional, even if you are bringing all this toxicity into the relationship, you still have a choice to make if you want those behaviors, that person and those behaviors in your life, period. You have all the data you need to make the decision. So now you don't have to wait for that person to change or not change because you're going to make a decision based on what you want in your life and he is telling you who he is and that's what you're going to get. Now, something else you said was, um, I have high expectations for myself or very high expectations. I set a high bar for myself daily and I'm constantly working to grow and change and be the best I can. So I just want you to be careful here that your expectations, your standards aren't being uh, conveyed to others. Like you said, I want him to change <laughs> because if they are, then this is what happens. You become critical and judgmental or you can be critical and judgmental and that can push people away and make them defensive and say things like, well, I'm not the problem you are. 
it still doesn't matter. Everything I just told you, it still doesn't matter, but it will matter uh, in the future, in your relationships, if you are this way, because if you are pushing your standards onto someone else, they are going to feel judged and criticized. They're going to feel that, and it's going to be very difficult to maintain a positive connection with these people. If you are critical and judgmental because you have standards for yourself that you want to meet and you still haven't met, that can happen. That happened to me. Again, I can relate to this. I had very high standards for myself. And because I had high standards for myself, I expected other people to have similar standards for themselves. But my standards became their standards and they didn't want that. So it was unfair of me to push my standards onto them. But that also caused me to view people through the lens of perfection. And so when I would look at especially a romantic partner and see that they weren't doing things in a more perfect way, in a better way, I would judge them. I would be critical. I would give them that look. I would have that inflection in my voice. And I would say and do certain things that made them feel bad. So if that is going on in your life, if you feel like you're doing that, uh, I have a great article on judgment. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com, type in the word judgment, and you'll find uh, two or three of them. But definitely start working on that in yourself because judgment, as the article is called, is the ultimate relationship destroyer. When you judge somebody that you say you love, you are destroying that relationship. You are eroding it. So you have to be really careful if you are one of those very judgy, very critical people that are putting other people down because they're not meeting your standards or they don't have the the stringent standards that you have for their own life and you find that uh, to be a problem. This is one of those things where you accept people for who they are and either stay or go or you don't accept them and your life becomes miserable because you're always judging and criticizing other people. So you can accept him for who he is. doesn't mean you have to stay. But you can accept that this is who he is and who he's going to be. And uh, you can choose to leave or stay. But you have all the data you need regarding that. And I just talked about that. So that's one thing I wanted to talk about regarding the uh, standards comment you made. The other thing that you said, where is it? Uh, Maybe judging it. You did say, I may be judging him too harshly and I have unrealistic expectations about who he is. So... I forgot you even said that. That's exactly what I was just saying. So um, just take that with uh, however you'd like. I feel he has no empathy or understanding of how his blurting comments can hurt others and me. So here's somebody that doesn't mind being rude, blurting out comments. And uh, this is where, again, you go back to yourself and ask, do I want to be with somebody who maybe embarrasses me, who says hurtful things, who's rude? That is a personal choice. If you can handle that, if you can tolerate that, and I don't think you can because you already said, I can't tolerate it. (laughs) I'm not able to tolerate him not changing. Then uh, that will be something that you'll just have to decide and add to your list of reasons for your decision. Stay or go or whatever you'd like to do. And um, another thing you said is he has no empathy, or at least you feel he has no empathy. And he has no understanding of how his, yeah. So if you have somebody with no empathy and you feel hurt and they don't care that you're hurt, that's just something else to keep in mind. 
Now, that doesn't mean everybody with no empathy doesn't care. It just means it sounds like he doesn't care if you have any feelings about it. He doesn't care if you are hurt by his comments. He already said that you're too sensitive, which means he's not really caring about your sensitivities on and on. So this is something else that you put into context and realize this is who I'm with. And I know it sounds like I'm painting everything as bad news. Uh, Depends on how you look at it, but you do just have to be prepared. You look at all this data and this is how you prepare yourself for your decision. You take all the data, you put everything on the table and you ask yourself, is this what I want to live with? If he truly has no feelings and doesn't care, then is that something or somebody you want in your life? You know, this is what happens is if you uh, leave someone like this and they are like this, they have no feelings, they have no empathy. When you leave them, you get to discover who they really are. And I'm not saying you have to leave them or anything like that. I'm not pushing you in any direction. I'm saying that when you show them the ultimate consequence for their behaviors, they finally take a moment to reflect on who they are. And some people will reflect and think, man, maybe I do need to look at myself. Maybe I do need to work on how I feel and how I think. Maybe there is something there to look at. Maybe I'm carrying around some stuff that I need to look at. Uh, And then there are people that will say, good, you know, that's who you are and you're taking off. That's fine with me. So what? Who cares? I don't care. If he really doesn't care, (laughs) if he really has no feelings, then that's probably his response or that will be his response. If he doesn't care, if he has no feelings, then if you leave, it won't matter to him. Yeah, whatever. You do your own thing. I don't care. I've seen this over and over again where somebody who says they don't care, it doesn't matter to me, you work on yourself. When the other person finally says, I, I've had enough, then the person who doesn't supposedly care, cares. Oh my God, don't leave. Why are you leaving? I'm so sorry. I'll work on myself. I'll work on myself. I do care. I do care. Where was that person before? It's like um, when you want to cancel your cable. Oh, don't cancel. Don't cancel. We'll, we'll give you a discount every month. Wait, why didn't you offer me the discount before? <laughs> I want the discount. I've, I've wanted the discount all this time, and uh, now you're offering it to me because I'm leaving? Shouldn't you just treated me nice before? No offense against, well, maybe, yeah, offense against cable companies. They've done that. They've done that to me and other companies too where you are the best customer. You've been a customer for 10 years and uh, they don't offer the discount unless you're planning on leaving, going to another company. It's like relationships and a lot of relationships can be like this. The other person doesn't change until you actually tell them, I've had enough. So if you, this person who wrote, if you have had enough and you say I've had enough, you get to find out how he really feels, if he feels at all. Hopefully he does, and hopefully you can work this out. I I don't know, but I do know that um, when I put myself in your shoes, and I imagine that I'm with my girlfriend, and she's saying rude things to people, and she's doesn't care about my sensitivities, and she and she says you'll just have to deal with it. You know, I don't care. Doesn't matter to me, and uh, she doesn't care if I'm hurt or crying or anything like that. If I was in that position. I don't want to live like that for the rest of my life. I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't care. 
I want her to care about me or the person I'm with. I want them to care about me. Otherwise, why are we here? Why are we together? Why are we in the same room? If you don't care about me, then go live your life. Like the last thing this person said, are we both toxic? How can we go forward? Or should we just let each other be? I like that idea. Let him be him. You be you. And if you think that's compatible, try working it out. But if you don't think that's compatible or you know it's not, then you might have to make a decision and it might be a difficult decision. But you have all the information you need. You just have to look at it and ask yourself, what do I want to do from this point on? Is this who I want to be with? Is this the kind of behaviors that I want to be exposed to on a daily, hourly minute by minute basis. Is this what I want in my life? And then the final question is, I wake up tomorrow and he has left. He's gone. He left a note said, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm sorry. I got to go. I got to live my life. I got to figure myself out. And uh, you realize that now he's not in your life anymore. How do you feel about that? You know, the initial shock might hit you, but let's just say, uh, a, a day goes by and he, it's real. He doesn't call you and he really has left. He moved across the other side of the world. Now he's no longer accessible. He says, I'm never going to call you again. It's over. Now you might do some grieving or maybe not, or maybe how do you feel? That's the test I like to run through is if um, I'm going to make a big decision, I ask myself, okay, I wake up in the morning and I've made that decision. How do I feel about it? Then I go from there. If I say, oh, I feel really sick. I feel like, oh, I didn't give us a chance. I feel like I should have done more. Then I might have to do more before it happens. Because I need to reach a breaking point. I don't know about you, but I need to reach a breaking point with people. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I'm done. I'm done trying. So that's my breaking point and it's over. And once it's over, then I can move forward knowing that I've exhausted all options. And that's what helps me move forward a little bit easier. It's not always easy. It's sometimes actually very difficult. But moving forward is a lot easier after I've considered everything. I've tried everything. I've done what I could. So that's my answer to you. I don't know if it's helpful. I hope it is. But uh, I picked apart a lot of your message in a good way. I wanted to get some components of it and just really narrow down and drill into what's going on with each one and what maybe you could consider going forward and what your next step should be. So I hope that helps. Thanks so much for joining me today. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I am so glad to be off of this COVID stuff. I think uh, I'm in my final few days of congestion and things like that. Probably not back 100%. I felt more energy today, you may have noticed, <laughs> but uh, if you heard the other episodes. But I am glad to be out of that. I am testing negative, and it feels really good to have gotten through it. And uh, now I'm here to close the show. 
<laughs> I want to thank the patrons of the week, Brad, Holly, Jamie, Zachary. Zachary, you're actually a patron of the year because you have chosen to give yearly, and um, I hope that didn't surprise you because <laughs> sometimes a yearly uh, payment might surprise someone. So if it did and you want to work that out, let me know. But I am very grateful for your patronage. Thank you for your financial support, patrons, all patrons I am very grateful for. These are the patrons of the week. I read different names every week, and I want to thank you for supporting the show. And if you find value in the show like these patrons did and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com and you'll have an option to do that over there. And uh, I don't talk about this often, but when you become a patron, you actually have access to like uh, some workbooks in there that I've never uh, sell. I don't sell those. Some of them I do, but some of them I don't sell. So those aren't available on my website. They're only available in the patron program. And I also have like 100 episodes that I've never published publicly. So I've got some stuff over there too, just as a kind of a gift for giving back to me as well. Thank you, patrons. I appreciate all of you. Also, I want to let you know about Love and Abuse. That is my other podcast that deals with difficult relationships. If you are dealing with anyone that maybe says you're too sensitive or they're trying to make you feel bad or guilty or responsible for all the relationship problems, head over to loveandabuse.com and, uh, find out what is really going on in the relationship. And I also want to let you know about Healed Being because if you're the difficult one or you know somebody that's the difficult one, head over to healedbeing.com and there is an option to join that program, which is a very, very powerful, very effective program on healing emotionally abusive behavior and changing that uh, behavior so that relationships can either survive or you can create a new relationship that doesn't bring in the old toxic behaviors. There's uh, a lot. I, I talk about a lot in that program. That's over at healedbeing.com. Finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And for my final words, I'm going to read you a very short message that I received. This person wrote, hey, my partner has a way of putting himself in the victim role. He will say something like, you left a mess in the kitchen, and I'll say, sorry, sorry, and then he says, oh, no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. And then we go around in this I'm sorry game. Your podcasts are helping me so much. Wish you were my therapist. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm going to do my best on this side of the microphone to give you a way out of the I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry cycle. Um, first of all, the, the one thing that sticks out for me right away is that if he almost always plays the victim first, like he'll, he'll say, hey, you left a mess in the kitchen, so I'm the victim, you left a mess, and then you say you're sorry, it's almost as if he's setting you up to be in that role, to be in the bad guy role. Like if he can make you look like the bad guy, then he's automatically the good guy. So right off, he knows how to play that game. I mean, I'm going to guess that this is a game, but from what you said, if he's not saying uh, he's sorry at first, or he's making you say sorry first, and there's just this particular behavior pattern that repeats itself, it tells me that he is making you admit that you're the bad guy first. Then once that's established, then he can say, I'm sorry, all he wants, because then he looks like the good guy. So 
I see that pattern playing out here. Now, my advice, my suggestion for you when this happens, uh, I'll just give you an example. I'll use your example. Hey, you left a mess in the kitchen. So your response, your automatic response, because maybe you have a little bit of people pleaser in you. I don't know. I know I did. And I know what I would have done or what I've said. I would have said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'll clean that up right away because I'm assuming what they mean. What I want you to do is not assume what he means. Ask him, uh, what do you mean? Well, you left a mess in the kitchen. Uh, okay. Um, what about it? That's a good question. What about it? Because now you're setting him up in a good way, I believe, to admit why he's telling you this, or at least come to terms within, within himself that he has to be more succinct. He has to be more detailed in the reason he's saying this to you because he knows the game well enough that all he has to say is, hey, you did something wrong and you're going to say, I'm sorry. But if you don't say, I'm sorry, it highlights what he's doing. It highlights his passive aggressive behavior and passive aggressive people I'm guessing this is passive aggressive. It reads very passive aggressively, but passive aggressive people don't like to be in the spotlight. So here you are highlighting something that he doesn't want to get into details about because he just assumes you're going to say, sorry, look like the bad guy. Then he's going to look like the winner. And that's how the conversation plays out. As long as he is above you in some way, I'm making some assumptions here, but this is how I see this. So instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that, ask, okay, what about that? You left dishes in the sink. Okay, what about that? Don't assume that he's blaming you, even though it sounds like he is. Just don't assume it. Don't assume anything. Don't assume you can read his mind. What about that? Well, I mean, were you going to clean them? Yeah. I'm not saying I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing. Because I want to stop the sorry cycle. And how you do that is you start asking questions until you get to the point where he expresses something that is literal. Like saying that you left a mess in the kitchen, yeah, it could be literal you left a mess, but what does he mean literally? Why is he bringing that up? What is his reason? His reason might be, um, I've got friends coming over and you said you'd clean up. Now, if he said that, that's a little bit more literal. That's a little bit more accurate or maybe very accurate. And maybe he has a reason to be upset. So when you didn't clean up the kitchen, that really upset me because you said you would and my friends are going to be over in a minute. So I, I wish you had done that. Now you might have a reason to say you're sorry. That's a good reason to say you're sorry. Oh, I did say that. I'm sorry. I'll clean it up. Boom. That's easy. We, we went past it. There's no sorry cycle. And uh, he gave you his reason. Now, if he says, well, aren't you going to clean it up? And you say, yes. And what's he going to say then? Because he's waiting for your sorry. <laughs> he's waiting or say, for you to say, I'm sorry. He's waiting for you to say, I'm sorry. But you're not saying it. And that's what the game is. And that's how it gets played. And that's how you break this cycle. Don't get into this cycle where... He puts you in a space below him. He puts you in a bad guy place. If you're the bad guy, then I'm not saying he wins, but 
he is able to close the loop in his head that if he can appear to be the good guy, then maybe he feels better inside himself. Maybe he's got some secondary gain going on that when you feel bad, you treat him nicer. And so he likes that. So he makes sure that you say you're sorry about something that he mentions. So there, I believe there is some dysfunction here. And I believe that uh, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, I'm guessing, but it's a pretty educated guess. I can see kind of the writing on the walls of what's going on here. So next time he says something, don't automatically say you're sorry until he specifies exactly something that you did wrong and why it's wrong. If he says, you uh, told me the other night that you were going to bed early, but you didn't. Do you say, I'm sorry? Because your mind probably jumps there. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I did tell you that. And your mind probably is also saying, oh, he's probably mad about that. He's probably mad that I lied or I told him something and I didn't follow through. I was incongruent. And when you are like that in your mind and you're always filling in the gaps, yeah, you, t- you tend to jump into the I'm sorry role. I don't have a problem with I'm sorry. Like yeah. If I'm going down the grocery aisle and somebody comes into the aisle as I'm leaving the aisle and we bo- almost bump into each other, I automatically say it. <laughs> it could be their fault. They, they could be going 90 miles an hour and I come out going slow and watching carefully, yet we still almost crash into each other. I'm still going to say I'm sorry. It's just who I am. Like, oh, sorry, sorry about that. Because it's just an incident. It just happened and that's fine. We can get through it. It could be their fault completely. They, they weren't looking. They don't care. They don't care who's in the way. And they just bash through anyone who's in their way. And it's everyone else's fault. That, that could be true. But I'm not going to get into that conversation. I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't care whose fault it was. I'm just being polite. But don't bring that attitude everywhere all the time. That response. Don't bring that response every time. Because sometimes it's not warranted. And sometimes it gets you into these toxic or dysfunctional cycles that will um, create the situation that you talk about here. So there's my advice to you. I hope that helps. That is something that uh, you just want to be careful of. You don't want to get sucked into a a ploy, a a scheme. You don't want to get sucked into that. And they may not even know they're doing it. Some people do this stuff or they have done this stuff all their lives and they don't even realize they're doing it. And then when you start to put the spotlight on them and say, oh, what do you mean by that? Uh, What's that about? What are you talking about? Instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll take care of it. It changes the dynamic. And you, I'm going to predict that you'll notice a big change after you start doing it this way. You should notice it. Now, it may turn into something else. Let me just give you this last disclaimer. It may turn into something else because now he isn't getting some need met that he was getting before. So it may turn into other behavior that makes you look like the bad guy in a different way. So you just have to be aware of that. Be very careful of it turning into something else. Just be very careful going forward uh, what it transforms into so that you don't get into the same type of cycle. That's my thoughts. That's my insights. That's my opinions. I hope they work for you. And if they don't, I'm going to remind you, just keep an open mind because sometimes you need an open mind to try some of this stuff 
to know that um, if you want to change your life and you want to become more empowered, have more choices, that's how you step into your power. Keep an open mind, step into your power. That's how you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something that I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <laughs>